0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around.
2: Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be.
3: Oh, mama! What a play!
2: Now,
4: here's your host,
2: Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast podcast. We call our early week edition The Game Plan. My name is Chris Plank. We have so much to get to on the show. We're going to talk about Kyler Murray's fit in Arizona with Arizona Republic senior sports writer Bob McManaman. We're going to break down a couple of Big 12 prospects and go in depth on Ben Powers' fit in Baltimore with Dane Brugler. But let's start by recapping a big weekend on the diamond. Toby Rowland kicks things off. And, man, what a what a weekend for Skip Johnson and his crew, Toby. It, that was a
5: that was a good series win for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, they had lost the last three Big 12 series, so they needed to get back on the winning track. They had lost the last three rubber games in Big 12 play. That's a troubling trend. So just to kind of you know give themselves some belief that when it came to Sunday they were going to win was uh, was big. It was big in the RPI. You know, you get road wins against a top 100 team. That helps you a little bit. And Oklahoma's in a, in a nice spot in the mid-30s right now in that RPI. I think they're looking good to be an NCAA tournament team again if they can continue to play strong down the stretch. It was big in the Big 12 standings. OU's played one fewer series than the guys, the, the guys up top. Baylor, Tech, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State have all played – six Big Twelve series. OU's only played five. So a good weekend this weekend for Oklahoma, and they're right there in the hunt for at least second place. They need Baylor to stumble a little bit to catch them, but um, you know, a two and one weekend against Texas Tech. And they're in a tie with Oklahoma State and uh and they'd be in a tie that that point I think they'd be ahead of Texas Tech. So um it was big for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, there's kind of was the obvious elephant in the room all weekend. The, uh, the awkward situation where you had the current head coach and the former head coach playing against each other and a bunch of Sooner ties in that other dugout and on that other team. So it was a fascinating weekend. And, and to pull it out after they looked dead in the water for about two hours on Sunday, was clutch. I I think they showed some fortitude each of the last couple of weeks away from home to be able to late in games,
2: turn it around and find a victory that won a series. That's good. That's really good. Big one coming up this weekend. Big time. Speaking of two buddies, I mean, Tadlock and Skip Johnson, they don't get much tighter than that.
5: Besties. Yeah, those (laughs) two are uh, our besties. Although Skip said uh, he did put one in tim tadlock's ear hole when they played (laughs) um now texas tech's good and unfortunately for ou it looks like they're getting hot right now they just swept oklahoma state the weekend before that they took two of three from baylor this is a a a team that was preseason top 10 Uh, everybody considered them a potential omaha team again this year they've got you know bats for days the young kid is back again uh who's playing shortstop for them now they got the cam warren kid out of midwest city out of carl albert i should say who is just bashing for them over at first base so they're they're really good i I don't think their pitching is as good as it's been the last few years but it's getting better i mean caleb killian's having a really nice year for them so they're formidable and uh you know they they have uh uh, They've struggled here. The last time they came here, OU took two of three. I feel like the last two times they did. But, yeah, it'll be in all three of these last Big 12 series are going to be big time. Texas Tech this week. Then you got Bedlam. We'll have over 20,000 people again this year that will come watch Bedlam. And then that Texas series has always been big on the schedule. But with the way they're floundering right now, it's entirely possible that Oklahoma goes down there with the opportunity to end their season. Wow. You know, period. I mean, there's a chance that Texas finishes ninth and misses the Big 12 tournament. So um, that that could be fascinating.
2: Great stuff from T-Row. Let's take you down to the field after the game where Toby caught up with the coach. And the hero.
5: Let's start there. We just heard the highlight coming out of the break of the Milan wall at double. Talk about the decision to go with Mylan there in the eighth. Well,
4: I mean, it was just a matchup deal and and guys with the right attitude to sit there on the bench all year long. That's what we talk about, having the right attitude. And he, you know, he's been facing live pitching on Wednesday. So in our, our practices and stuff like that, and it paid off. I mean, uh, Coach Overcash and Coach Van Hook been working hard on the swing, lost a little confidence, and he came up with a big, big hit. Milan and Jordan Vujovic, neither one had played all weekend. They both deliver for you there in that big eighth inning. No doubt. I mean, it's about the attitude, you know. I mean, we talk about the attitude being a decision, and it no, no more showed up in those two guys today. That was beautiful to see. Your bullpen was great for you all day today. Yeah, they've been good all year, and uh, uh, I know we've been through our ups and downs with them, but uh, uh, they're young, and I think it's a uh, sign that you know when Roughcorn got in there and battled his butt off. I mean, I went out when I went out to him, I was like. Hey, you can't. You make two quality pitches, and you, you got to reward yourself for those two pitches. And let's get on. Let's. See if they bunt, they bunt it to you in a position you get out at third, get it out at third, which is good. I mean, that's what we do PFP for. We. Even, how about Ben catching the line drive early? I mean, that's what we talk about. Diego. The home run in the 10th? What you think? Well, it was huge. I mean, that guy's played in big moments all his life and uh, showed up right there. I mean, he didn't, didn't get out of control even in the ninth when he came up with a hit in a 6-0. And then he guy left to, you know, he, left a mistake pitch up and, uh, uh, and he hit it out of here. What was kind of shocking is the guy that hit the, uh, the tie the game up hit a slider. I mean, it, it was, it's kind of a weird deal, you know. You're in that situation. you got the, all the momentum and even though uh, Matthews made the right pitch, he just left it up a little bit and the wind blew it out. Feels like a big one. I'll let you go after this, but you get the rubber game win and conference play
5: on the road. The last three times in conference play anyway, you haven't been able to come up with a Sunday win.
4: You're away from home. It feels like this one could be a trampoline win for you. Well, I mean, the whole weekend was for us. I mean, we played really good Friday night. And even yesterday, the last four or five innings, I mean, was we separated balls from strikes, and you, you saw it right there in the last couple of innings when we did it. And we get—I knew if we got out of the ninth, we would score because uh, those guys were really good at the back end separating balls from strikes, and uh, was really prevalent right then.
5: Way to go, coach! Thank you,
4: Skip Johnson. Sooners win at six to three. We're going to talk to
5: Diego Muniz in just a second. He's down in the uh, in the dugout. Here he
4: comes. Ice on the shoulder. Is that from running into the wall there? I uh, know. That was, uh, uh, I don't even, uh, it was from Wichita State when I oh, dove in okay. first base. My whole arm popped out. We got to get you some breaks, man. You're running uh, into these walls at 100 miles an hour. I uh, know. <laughs> uh, I don't mind it, you know. You play hard, don't uh,
6: you? I, you have to, you know. At this level, you have to get give 100% every pitch. All right, tell me about the at bat. Tell me about the home run. Uh, well, the initial plan was to, you know, moved the guy over to for, from first to second with a bunt, you know, and uh, when I fell, fell behind one two, my approach at that time was just, I mean, you know have a competitive' uh, I'm competitive I bat and do whatever I could of moving over. and uh, you know I went to my t-shirt approach with, uh, that we work, work on every single day and he, he threw me something I could handle and the rest of it happened. You didn't not get – I mean, you could tell me. I
5: won't tell him. You didn't not get the bunt down on purpose just so you could hit a two-run home run. Oh, no, no,
6: no. It's It's just you and me talking. No, no, absolutely not, you know. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure if I would have gotten it down, the guys behind me would have found a way to score. So. I mean it just kinda worked out that way. So
5: how big is this one for you guys today?
6: It's huge, you know. We were down all game and you know, we just never gave up and it just comes to show I mean the the desire this team has to win. So I'm mean, super proud of the guys, you know, i am so happy for everybody, you know. This is an absolute team winning and it kind of shows that I mean the grit we have, you know, we're a bunch of I mean dirtbags that don't quit whatsoever, you know. I'm super proud of this team.
5: Diego Fuego delivers today. Yes, way sir. to go, man.
6: Yes, sir, appreciate
5: it. Diego Muniz, the two run home run in the tenth and the Sooners win it today, six to three.
2: So a huge weekend on tap for the Sooner baseball team as they welcome in a streaking Texas Tech Red Raiders squad. That is Skip Johnson's best friend at the helm of the Red Raiders, Tim Tadlock. Here's what the series look looks like time wise. Friday's game will be at six thirty. Saturday's game will be at two, and then the Sunday finale. Will be at one o'clock. Meanwhile, the hits just kept on coming for the Sooners softball team, and the win streak just kept rolling thanks to a perfect game from Giselle Juarez on Sunday. The Sooners swept Iowa State 14 0 as they head down the home stretch on their 11 game road swing. Sooners have now won 35 consecutive games. They're still number one in the country, 45 2 overall, 15 0 in Big 12 play. Coach Gasol. Wow, I know you probably wanted to use more pitchers today, but whenever you got someone throwing a perfect game, it's hard to do that, isn't it?
6: And you can't, you can't, uh, you can't pull them out. So, uh, G was exceptional today. Really, a nice rebound from. What she would tell you was a okay performance on Friday. So really, really um, pleased with her approach, the offense, off the bench. Everybody contributed. I mean, it couldn't be any better than what we just saw.
2: Audra LaVallee with her first home run. Reagan Rogers bounces one off the scoreboard. Everybody was getting involved. That's got to be very reassuring for you.
6: It is, and it just shows you that these guys that are on the bench are completely engaged in what we're doing and waiting for their opportunity and make the most of it. So I'm really... I don't know how to tell you any more than how proud I am of this team, and now we can put our suitcases away, and we've taken a long journey, and they've really done a phenomenal job with it.
2: Go celebrate. Congratulations, Congratulations. coach. Thank you. So it's a monster weekend for the Big 12 championship. The Sooners win two, and they win yet another Big 12 crown, and it's Oklahoma State standing in their way. A very kind of unique setup with this OU-OSU series because there's two games on the road and then a home game, the final home regular season game, kind of sandwiched in between. So here's what the schedule looks like. On Friday night, the first pitch will be set for 6 p.m. That's 6 o'clock on Friday night. That will be in Stillwater. We'll come back home on Saturday for a 7 o'clock first pitch, and then on Sunday at 3 p.m., and then we'll all get ready for the Big 12 Championship. As always, you can keep up with all the latest news involving Sooner Softball and Baseball at Soonersports.com. And while we're at it, congratulations to the OU Men's Tennis Team as they will make their 10th straight NCAA Tournament. The Sooners are headed to College Station. And the Texas A&M Regional for first and second round action. And the OU women's tennis team for the first time since 2015 have earned a bid to the NCAA tournament. They'll travel to North Carolina for the Chapel Hill Regional. All right, let's talk some draft, shall we? It was a big weekend for Oklahoma football as we heard more names called over the weekend. Yes, after two players went in the first round, the... Gosh, I guess the second and the third day was littered with Sooner names. Cody Ford went to the Bills in the second round. Bobby Evans is on his way to the Rams in the third round. Drew Samia and Ben Powers, both fourth-round picks. Samia to the Vikings, Powers to the Ravens, which meant that all four of the Sooner offensive linemen who were in the draft went in the top 123 picks. That's just insane. Austin Seibert is now a member of the Browns. He was taken in the fifth round. Get this. The pick of Seibert was actually with the draft pick that the Browns acquired from the Giants as part of the Odell Beckham trade. And then Rodney Anderson was taken in the sixth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. Buzzy Bolton signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Packers. Marcellius Sutton is on his way to Seattle. And Amani Bledsoe is on his way to Tennessee. Well, what does it mean overall from... Draft weekend, Gabe Eichert and I on SiriusXM Channel 375 caught up with the Athletics Dane Brugler to just talk overall about the Big 12 draft haul in general.
1: Yeah, what four players in the top 40? So you know, pretty good haul for them. Uh, you know, we at one there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of doubt leading up to the the draft about whether or not Kyler would go number one, but you know, I think most of uh, most of us, including myself, stuck with that projection and it, and it happened. It's going to be fascinating to watch Cliff Kingsbury coach Kyler uh, in Arizona. It's good that they got the Josh Rosen trade done. So, you know, there's not the, the, the Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen dynamic kind of you know, holding that team hostage as they go into rookie mini camp and everything else. So um, eager to see uh, how Kyler works out in Arizona. And then Marquise Brown, uh, you know, we, that, that was the odds on favorite to be the first receiver drafted, even with the foot injury and, that's what happened at uh, pick number 25, uh, the first receiver off the board to the Ravens. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how they use him and with Lamar Jackson at the helm of that offense. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson has uh, a lot of arm strength, but his deep ball, not the most accurate. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use Marquise Brown on underneath stuff and just how they incorporate him, jet sweeps, that type of thing. And then L.J. Collier, who you mentioned, uh, who – uh, he, he's a prime example of why it's important to go to the senior bowl. Or if you have a postseason all-star game, uh, you know, go to these all-star games. If you're a prospect listening, because LJ Collier, probably not a first round pick. Uh, if he didn't have the week that he did in Mobile, Alabama, uh, a one-year starter at TCU, not the most productive guy, but you, you break down the traits and you, you see the heavy hands. You see the ability to bend, uh, you know, he, he throws the kitchen sink at blockers and it's not always the most efficient uh pass rush uh plan but he he does a nice job of getting there and I think there's some upside where he has yet to play his best football and once NFL coaches get their hands on him might be able to work some things out he'll become a more efficient pass rusher
2: I don't know about you Gabe and Dane obviously I'd love to get your take on this I really like that fit for Ben Powers
1: yeah definitely uh and I thought that at that point in the draft on day three uh, ben Powers, you know, they, the, the Ravens have uh, some, some issues on the interior of their offensive line. So it's a great fit for him, not only uh, because of scheme, but also the chance to get on the field pretty early in his career. Um, you know, he's the guy that uh, has made it his own way. I mean, he started at, you know, he didn't, wasn't highly recruited, goes the JUCO route, then goes to Oklahoma, kind of bet on himself. And, you know, he turned himself into a consensus All-American, um, has experience at both guard spots. So, you know, you think he's going to be able to give you some versatility on the interior of that offensive line. He's, he's not the greatest athlete out there. He's pretty average in terms of, you know, his explosiveness. and But he's, he's a guy that's just consistent. He's in the right place at the right time. He understands angles. Um, I, he's going to push for starting reps uh, pretty early in his career. He's ready for NFL action.
2: Good stuff from Dane. Now, you can hear that interview in its entirety as a SiriusXM subscriber. Download the app, search 375 or Big 12 Radio, and you can find Gabe and I talking to Dane Brugler. Meanwhile, we wrap things up with a little bit more information on the fit for Kyler Murray in Arizona. We had a chance to talk with Bob McManaman. He is the senior sports writer for the Arizona public, and obviously there was a lot of questions. There was a lot of concern about when and if Kyler Murray would go number one, but when it, when it happened, when Kyler went number one, Bob, what was your take? What'd you think after weeks of controversy and secrecy, Arizona made Kyler number one. What do you think of the fit?
7: Well, they played it extremely close to the vest and I applaud them for keeping it a secret as long as they did, uh, up until draft day, I still thought it was going to be, uh, Quinn and Williams and maybe Nick Bosa. In the back of my mind, it was always going to be Kyler Murray, but the days leading up to the draft, Kyme would just talk and gush about Quentin Williams when asked. You know, he's never had a chance to draft, you know, the highest-rated player in the draft, and that and was either Williams, which I think it was, and or Bosa. It was 1-2, 1A, 1B. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, it turned out to be Murray, and... Uh, they're all in on it. I mean, Keim's, Steve Kimes' future rests with Kyler Murray having success. No matter how well this draft turns out, it's going to be what the what the kid does at quarterback. And uh, I think it was a hell of a draft, and I think it was a hell of a gutsy pick, and I'm all in on it too. This kid could really change the way we look at football.
8: Bob, just interested, uh, kind of some mixed reports coming out about yeah. How they shopped Rosen, um, the timing of everything uh, seemed a little interesting to uh, some people kind of diving into uh, Steve Kimes' approach. What did you think of how the entire Rosen situation shook out?
7: I don't know if they could have handled it in a situation where it would have worked out for well for everybody because, look, keep in mind that they were very open to trading out of number one to gather or stockpile more picks, and that was a real – Real possibility, as much as Kingsbury loves Kyler, Kyman, Kyman said he was open at trading out and getting a bunch of first round. He said, if I could get somebody's first round pick this year, next year, the year after, I'm doing it. And that would be passing on Murray. So when you decide it somewhere, you know, the beginning of April that you think Kyler's going to be your guy, and you and you confirm it maybe a week, week before the draft for sure, you're not going to shop Josh Rosen and tip your hand to get out – and you know, to, to move, lose on a chance of, of trading out of number one. So so you do what he said he told us that he did, which is not actively shop Rosen until literally he he listened to offers, but he didn't sh- actively shop Josh. And, and I, I think that was smart, but it caught him in a pickle because he didn't start shopping them until draft day. And then if you saw the cam footage of their war room, there was no phone. Nobody was on the phone until they picked it up and go call Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they kind of hamstrung themselves, but it, but what else can you do in that situation?
2: Yeah, I thought that was one of my favorite shots was the shot of the Arizona Cardinal <laughs> war room and nobody was moving. I think I think Bidwell right. realized they were on TV, so he got up and walked around a little bit. So I I, I I love, I'm so intrigued by Steve Kime, and I don't know, Bob, how he is to deal with. But in the end, he's the GM, he makes the call. Uh, right. But Cliff Kingsbury had a major influence on this as well, too. What kind of sales job did they have to do on Michael Bidwell?
7: And I think uh, Michael trusted both guys, and and was there um, to go along with what those two decided. But he he, he does have a heavy hand. He it, it, a lot of people don't know it because he's not very public about it. Um, I just know that all three men agreed, uh, and I think Michael was sold on the beginning because when he hired Cliff, one of the things he told me aside was, "You you, you watch what our offense is going to look like, Bob." And I'm like. Okay, he goes, you know, Cliff, Cliff came from a program where he averaged 500 yards of offense and 30 points a game. You wait and see what we're going to do to this league. And I'm like, you know, with all due respect, Michael, I, I don't know if you have the offense to do that. Well, they just might, but it's, they're not going to get those averages. But they've got an electrifying playmaker. and They, they did a lot of good things in this draft uh, where I think they could put up a ton of points, but their defense could hate them for it. <laughs>
8: Yeah, well, we'll see if they can play some complimentary football there, Bob. Uh, wanted to get I your to. thoughts. Yeah, defense. no doubt about it. Yeah, oh yeah. No, there's no doubt. Wanted to get your thoughts on one of the Cardinals' fourth-round picks, uh, Hakeem Butler, a guy that we have covered uh, during his career at Iowa State. It seems like a big, strong guy that can be a nice target uh, for Kyler Murray, maybe down in the red zone. Uh, do some creative things with him. What do you think of that pick?
7: I was surprised he was still there. I'm literally very surprised in that some scouts had him rated as a second-round talent, and and maybe if he went to a different school, he would have. I know he wanted to go to Texas Tech because that's the first thing he told us. He he wanted Kingsbury to recruit him, and Kingsbury passed. He said everybody everybody missed on that kid. You talk about a guy who can step in tomorrow and play in the NFL and line up as a number three. He's going to have to start as... Uh, maybe a number four because this Isabella kid they got is going to start without question. But Akeem Butler will, when they run four wide receivers, he's going to be one of them. There's no doubt in my mind.
2: What was, you know, there was an interesting report. And I I mean, we're not here to say, ah, this guy was right. or This guy was wrong, Bob. But there was an interesting report about maybe a survey that had surfaced about maybe this not being the most popular pick in some people's minds, going back to Kyler. Uh, so in the end, what has been the reaction over the last uh, what forty eight seventy two hours since the pick was made?
7: Well, I'll tell you this: uh, the mood. Uh, I think the fan base was split, and uh, a lot of people wanted Rosen to stay. A lot of people, and for that reason, didn't want Murray. The other half said, and "We've seen enough. You know, bring it on. Let's let's try. Let's do anything we can to get some excitement going on, and create some some really interesting offense." So. Since then, it's funny. It's split again because everybody, half the people love this. The other half are feel sorry for Rosen. <laughs> I think they're going to get on board with Kyler, especially when they start seeing him play. Um, and I would suggest they watch college tape and they'll jump on that bandwagon right away. But, you know, because because of the Rosen situation, there just wasn't, um, and the trade Uh, and and the way people it went down and made it look like he was kind of done wrong. It just, it, it just made everyone jump on to his defense. Uh, And when he put out the video on social media, I think he he touched a lot of hearts and won over a lot of fans that were on the fence.
8: Bobby, you mentioned the video. Um, Do you think Josh Rosen could have handled this any better than he did? uh, Still going to the softball game uh, there for Larry Fitzgerald's charity. So, Seems like he he handled this about as well as he could.
7: Too. I think if he wouldn't have unfollowed the Cardinals from his social media accounts, he he, he would have done a 100 uh, percent perfect job of how he handled everything. <laughs> you know, when he did that, when he did that, it was kind of catty. But look, the kid's 21 still. I I get it. I, I'd have been pissed too.
8: Yeah, Bob, um, how much would you have paid for Kyler Murray to just showed up to the charity softball game and beat Josh Rosen in the Home Run Derby?
7: <laughs> yeah, I well, I would that would have been good because that means I wouldn't have had to cover the rest of the draft that night. I, I probably <laughs> would have had a better time there. <laughs> hey, uh, a couple more and we'll let
2: you run. You know, obviously, yep. it's it's very intriguing with Cliff Kingsbury. How do you think he can be helped by – and, again, you've got to control the whole locker room, but you have Vance Joseph there who's been a coach before that I would assume he can rely on. But does it maybe give you a little bit more confidence? You've covered the league for a long time. You've covered this team for a while. To know that he doesn't have to focus on much more than just offense and making sure that locker room doesn't fall apart because it appears as if basically he's been brought in as the offensive coordinator, but he has a title as the head coach. I mean, I, I might be making a little bit too much of that.
7: No, but, I think that's a valid question. And, look, he's going to rely a lot on Tom Clements, yeah. uh, who's been in the league league for 20 years, uh, his past game coordinator, quarterback coach, and really his assistant head coach for offense for sure. And Tom is this amiable guy who who's seen it all and will help Cliff. Uh, I think the thing I worried about the most was, and there, there was no way Murray and Rosen were going to be able to coexist, whether they thought they could or not. Is irrelevant. It's a locker room shift dynamic. And everyone knows that, oh, he's your guy. Oh, he's, you know, he's our guy. It just would have been horrible. I still worry about that to some extent with guys who were Rosen's best bud. And by that, this quarterback uh, made sure he took everyone under his wing, invited him to his condo, took, took them places, took them on trips, um, A rookie quarterback who didn't even start the season, you know, obviously had Bradford there, which was a disaster. Um, But he he won over that locker room. And I know there were some veterans, even on offense, that were a little worried, nervous about whether he could handle it. By the end of the season, despite how bad it was, those veterans who were unsure about Rosen fell in love with the kid. And I think as exciting as everyone knows Murray is capable of being, some of those veterans now are going to have to be swung over to his favor. He better do everything that Rosen did to make sure he wins that locker room. And it's not the him and Kingsbury show, because we all know what, you know, uh, the class pet is like, it's, it's very unsettling. And in a football locker with a locker room with that much testosterone, you don't want to deal with that garbage at all. So Cliff better treat everybody the same. And, uh, and and not hang out with Kyler with as much as he probably would love to.
8: Bob, um weird things happen in sports. Um yep. but with Kyler Murray being selected first of all, did the Cardinals protect themselves in any way when it comes to his baseball career factoring in at any point in time? I know that was something talked about uh going into the negotiations. Were they able to work that out work that all out with uh, Kyler?
7: Yeah. Well, if they didn't, they'd be doing what one former agent told me would be gross negligence, and I'm sure they have. Um, uh, they, they're they doing the contract negotiations now or very soon. Kyler wouldn't tell me. Kime wouldn't tell me, nor would the agent, but I'm assuming there's no way they even agreed to draft Kyler Murray without telling him, look, we're putting this in the contract, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, we're not going to draft you. We'll be happy to draft Quentin Williams or Nick Bosa. So, I'd have to say a, a ninety-nine point Nah, making a hundred, hundred percent guaranteed that will there be there. You a go, Bob. Hundred percent,
2: especially since this is a uh, well. I'm, I'm a. I grew up in St. Louis, so Bob, I remember watching this team when Kelly Stouffer decided that he wasn't going to come to the Cardinals <laughs> and re the draft the next year. But obviously, that was another era of the Bidwells. Hey, uh, a, a final thought: Kyler yeah. Murray had been kind of viewed as maybe. I don't know, awkward, uncomfortable during some interviews. Aloof. How did you, aloof, there you go. How do you think he did at his opening press conference?
7: He nailed it, man, hit it out of the park. And at the combine, he he, he was very unsteady, uh, a little grumpy, a little surly, uh, uh, a little paranoid. And and that didn't sit well with a lot of writers for some reason, although we're not the best judge of characters. Everyone knows that. Um but it did it did offend some people, or put some people off, which was stupid. We should never use body language as much or, or a guy you know, this kids <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think we over overplayed how bad it was and some people's perception. He nailed it when he at the draft, when he called us Thursday night, when he came out Friday and met us in person. All three of those instances uh He was fantastic, couldn't have been better. And he gave everybody one-on-ones. And I mean everybody. After he did his big presser here, he split into groups with ESPN, NFL Network, CBS, Pro Football Talk, um, ABC, uh, every local channel, TV and radio, every media outlet, his own here, and and obviously us, the main paper in, in Phoenix, the Arizona Republic. And gave us plenty of time, 5 to 10 minutes, 15 minutes in some cases. I, I loved it. He was great. He was forthcoming. He wasn't rushed. He didn't even want to leave. It was fantastic. Can't wait to work with the guy. But I'll miss Josh Rosen.
8: Yeah, Bob, he, he, we had the chance to work with Kyler. He's a, he's an interesting guy, but he'll he'll yeah. warm up eventually. Um, but he needs to be great because as I watched that draft and I, I look back to last year, <laughs> the NFC West is a buzzsaw now, man.
7: <laughs> no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, maybe this is the next Russell Wilson. But I know he knows the pressure that's on him. And he said, uh, you know, it's going to be weird for him if he does fail because this kid was 57-3 and as quarterback. That's crazy. He's lost three games his entire life playing football. And I just wrote it. He said, I I, I don't know what I would do if I was on a team that went 3-13. and I don't think I could handle it. And he goes, that's not going to be the plan. We're here to win. We're here to win Super Bowls. You know, And if we start losing, people do fail, but I'm going to work double hard the next day and doubly hard the day after that to make sure it doesn't happen. So everybody's on that page and that commitment. This team could be a lot better than the five wins Vegas has given them.
2: Man, we got a lot of NFL teams to follow next year, guys. The Browns, the Ravens, <laughs> the, obviously the Arizona Cardinals now. So kind of craziness whenever it comes to the NFL and that Sooner influence that we continue to see grow year by year fun episode thank you so much for downloading and subscribing don't forget tickets for baseball are available online right now at sooner sports.com slash tickets it's going to be a huge weekend for the sooner baseball team and we hope to see you out at mitchell park and we'll be back here to preview it all with you on friday with the tailgate until then have a great week and boomer sooner this has
7: been the sooner sports podcast make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at sooner sports.tv slash podcast
5: and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.
2: Look around. You can find cars like these on
5: AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader.
1: Just you wait. AutoTrader.